Welcome everyone tuning in to Hashtag Stories of Healing, episode 20. Stories of Healing is here to inspire, motivate, help others lift and rise up through their past or present struggles by listening in and connecting with the special guest who tunes into sharing their story of healing and how they overcame their battle. What was their healing process? A social psychologist, entrepreneur, author, and skydiver, and he's doing it all with MS. When he lost everything he cared about, he decided to rebuild his life by facing the fear of his uncooperative body in the air and becoming a skydiver. 600 jumps later and counting, he found his home in the sky. Born from a decade of research, Your Life Lived Well is His Labor of Love, a book, a podcast, a curriculum of classes, organizational services, and a technology. They all support those who live, they all support whose lives have been touched by chronic illness. There's no one answer to living well, but Dr. Payne is committed to showing you the practical tools you can use to build the life you want. You may be sick, but we can still live well. Welcome, Dr. Kevin J. Payne. I'm humbled and grateful to have you on our show. How are you doing tonight? I am doing really well and even better now that we've uh, gotten going here. Uh, This is going to be fun. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited. And uh, just so listeners know that uh, Kevin and I just uh, connected in the past few weeks and um, he has an incredible story to share. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, full of resilience and passion and, you know, what you've been doing already in, in the world, in the community, online community as well for your people. It's uh, it's incredible. And I'm very humbled to, uh, to have you on the show tonight. So thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. But don't oversell me too much. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I like that. Fair. Well, um, why don't you tell us besides the uh, introductions there? Let's t- tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in. Okay, well, three things are probably relevant. One is, as you've mentioned, I'm overeducated. I've got a doctorate in sociology and psychology. I spent 15 years as a professor and the last decade uh, as a tech entrepreneur. Uh, so I've, I've been, one way or another, uh, committed to studying people and trying to develop cool, useful tools out of that knowledge that can help people. And second thing is, yep, I've got multiple sclerosis. I was first symptomatic back in 1989 when I was in college. As we might get into, it was misdiagnosed and undiagnosed for a number of years. And finally, in the early 2000s, I started having some different symptoms. And I started losing feeling in parts of my body. And so finally, that led to me getting a correct diagnosis in 2006. And since then, I've had ups and downs because MS is like that. And and some of the downs have been really, really low. Uh, mm. But I've used my science and my research to try to help myself craft a better life. And then I decided to turn those tools into things that other people can use as well. And the third thing that people might find interesting about me is I enthusiastically fling my body from an airplane every opportunity I can get. Amazing. Incredible. Thank or you for stupid. sharing. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I think it's I think it's fascinating and um, very incredible that you're able to 
do what you're doing today and what you've done over the years um, faced and also being faced with challenges like, you know, a life chronic illness. So um, I think it's time to dive in and, and, and get our listeners in tune here and, and, and find more about the story and, and your story of healing. So um, Kevin, uh, what is your story of which brought you a life struggle or life challenge? Yeah, I, I had an often on mystery illness for a number of years. And early on with, with my MS, long before I knew what it was, I would have long periods where I was completely normal and everything seemed fine. And then I would have periods where my balance would start going wonky and I would have vertigo and I would start getting numb or have parathesias or or weird feelings in my body. I would become cognitively foggy and it would be difficult for me to think my way through things that normally were pretty easy. And, you know, I would get pretty down about it because when your body starts uh, being unreliable, that's, you know, that, that really causes you to question everything about your world. So finally, when I was going through this period of getting diagnosed and then learning to accommodate the diagnosis and the new symptoms that were appearing, so by this time then, I'd, I'd gotten to where I couldn't feel my legs below my knees, and uh, I, was, I was dealing with chronic pain, uh, chronic fatigue and chronic fogginess, and another 30 symptoms that come and go, <laughs> wow. sometimes with, you know, usually without warning. And, and I literally, there's so many of them that one time I decided, I, I, I sat down and I made an infographic with all of my symptoms. <laughs> so, uh, so for people who don't know what multiple sclerosis is, it is an autoimmune condition, and that's only fairly recently that we're confident about that. Uh, back when I was first diagnosed, we weren't even quite sure that that's what was causing it. But it's an autoimmune condition where our bodies have some kind of normal infection that everybody normally just fights off, and we fight that off too. But our immune systems get confused, and we... and they think that a part of our own body is the enemy and they start attacking it. So with MS, there's in our central nervous system, you've got all of those neurons carrying electric signals back and forth that are, that are uh, what mediate everything we think and do and feel and say, it all passes through our brain and our spinal cord. Mm. And those neurons, many of them are surrounded by insulation. It's a fatty myelin sheath. And in MS, our immune system is attacking that myelin sheath. And so when it becomes demyelinated, our neurons short circuit and they develop scars. And those scars, literally sclerosis means scar. Mm. So multiple sclerosis just means many scars, right? And, wow. and so my central nervous system is short-circuiting mm. and it, 
you know, being eaten from the inside out. So MS isn't only just a disease that may put you in a wheelchair. And that's kind of how people think about it in the popular consciousness. But there are physical and cognitive and emotional and all kinds of other symptoms as well. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. So I was getting used to all this. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, my then wife was dealing with mystery illness as well, which turned out to be a very late stage cancer. And fortunately, she was saved at the very last moment, but it was a very traumatic experience. It was very traumatic for me. It was very stressful for me because we had little kids at the time. And I was hanging on to a job as a professor uh, during this time period, a little longer than I, I really intended to because I, I'd had this dream of, of weaving and becoming a tech entrepreneur. Mm. And so, but back then, there was no public health option in the United States. So mm. I had to stay with the job so that we had insurance because I can't get insurance by myself. You know, I would be disqualified for, you know, for MS as a pre-existing condition on my own. Uh, and you know, MS is one of the most expensive medical conditions, you know, you can have long term. So I left and we started a company and uh, one thing led to another and I'd gone through a lot of stress and I had a massive exacerbation that killed my higher cognition so suddenly a guy who does brain stuff for a living his brain doesn't work and my company exploded and there was my family without a net and i got really depressed and really angry and really frustrated and my family didn't understand what was happening and one thing led to another. My wife had uh, gotten better, thankfully. She and my kids decided that I was a lost cause and I wasn't going to get better. And so they left. And and then my dog died right after that. And, and traumatically, bloat. Anybody who has big dogs uh, understands what I'm talking about. It's a really awful way to go. And we tried to save him, but it didn't work. Uh, and and so I had literally lost everything that I cared about. My career was in shambles. My family was gone. Didn't even have my best friend, the dog, to, to hang on to. And I was at the end of my rope. I had lost everything that I cared about in my life. And with how awful my ms was at that point i could not see a path to anything better very heavy thank you for sharing kevin i um yeah it's it's that's a lot uh to take in and um i wanted to ask when you were faced with a lot of those those challenges um mm -hmm. What are what were you? What were some of the things that you tried to do to keep yourself healthy during that time? Were there anything that you were focusing on? That some channels that you tried to harness some negative energy that you were faced with when you were, you know, you had the chronic illness, you had all these symptoms, you're losing your family. 
uh, and your dog, like where there, where you were like, Oh man, I got to do something to, to jumpstart my life and, and, and provide a bit of positivity or you were really in a dark place. And it was like very um, hard to kind of get out of that mentally. Well, for the first few years I had MS, I, you know, that I knew that I had MS, I, I maintained most of the habits that I've had for, for most of my adult life. And I, I, I regularly lift weights and, and I used to run. Now I don't run so much anymore because my legs can get a little wonky and I can end up just falling over. Uh, so I row instead, mm. and which, which I like doing. And, and so I did that. I eat right. You know, I, I, I stopped eating fast food. 20 years ago, I stopped soft drinks like in 99 or 2000. Wow. You know, I just, I, I just, yeah, I just, I just, I, so I eat right. I, you know, I exercise, I meditate. Meditation mm -hmm. is really key uh, mm -hmm. for me. And, <clears throat> and so I kept those habits and I intensified those habits for those first few years. And then when everything you know, when the wheels came off of my life, I I went into a deep tailspin, and I I was pretty much paralyzed, and 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 in some days, literally, uh, you know, when when you have chronic fatigue and and your and your movement is sketchy because of a neurodegenerative condition, sometimes it's hard to work out, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and so. I was I was having a difficult time there. I knew I needed to adjust in different ways, but I couldn't think myself through that to that point. Hmm. And you know, this this was I, I kind of it, it, it's not like I just hit bottom, figured out the solution, and then went right back up again. And that's the way it was. It was like you know I I bounced around for for a long time trying different things, and and MS is is a difficult beast because it changes it's a moving target mm -hmm. you don't have the same symptoms maybe even one day to the next and and you have to use different strategies so so it's it can be exhausting because just when you think you have a set of things worked out that's going to make your life better the condition changes and you have to readjust mm -hmm. And, and so it got really bad. My, my son, when he was about 14, looked at me one time and said, Dad, you know, you really suck at doing things for yourself. And on the one hand, that's a funny teenager thing to say. On the other hand, it was pretty much soul crushing because no father wants to hear that from their son. But I knew he was also right. And, 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 uh, I had, in the press of, of everything that had been piled on me, lost my ability to, to figure out a way to a good place. And it was really frustrating for me because I got a PhD in people. I, I had all of the knowledge about what I should be doing and why and how and all of that. But knowledge is different from the understanding of living something. Mm. And wow. so I had to develop a different set of skills that that did that. And for me then, 
when he said I sucked at doing something, anything for myself, I realized it had been over a decade since I had had done anything purely for myself. Hmm. And I had said goodbye to just about everything that I cared about in my life and most of my hopes and dreams. And I said, I have to, before I just check myself out and, and give up entirely, I'm going to give myself one more chance. And that one more chance, I knew it had to be something that I had given up on, something that I really cared about, that I knew was a, a wonderful experience for me, that, that I had to cultivate a beginner's mindset again and, and be, become humble in the world again and and just really go back to square one and allow myself to suck at something and still keep at it hmm. and and for me there was one obvious answer and that was i wanted to go back to skydiving wow. because that was a childhood dream and that was something that i'd started in the 90s and got a handful of jumps in and did the training and then a lot of life got in the way so in 2019 i decide I'm going to go back to skydiving and I'm going to figure out a way to reclaim this childhood dream and and face my own fear because my own fear was not heights jumping out of planes. Mm. My fear was my own body because my body had betrayed me in so many ways. Mm. And and that is so frustrating and it is so scary when you can't get your body to do what you want it to do i mean we all assume we walk through the world we say oh i want to grab this thing i do that i want to walk over there i do that i want to think this thought i do that with ms all bets are off wow with those things. so so i was going to face my fear of my body at terminal velocity in the air i was going to fling myself at the earth and i was going to use my wonky body to save myself every time so kind of a wacky plan <laughs> i think it's an incredible plan and uh you know the resilience that you have to to push yourself forward is just it's, it's amazing and it's it's very eye-opening for for anyone tuning in listening or someone that is faced with you know chronic illness that you know we can still find that fire inside ourselves to push forward no matter what kind of challenges come our way nothing really is impossible when you when you set your heart to it in your mind and um well, yeah and and for me it took a lot of it took a lot of creativity mm. because i can't feel my legs below my knees most of the time wow and so I had to learn how to stand up a landing when I couldn't feel my feet. And, and that was a challenge, but I learned how to feel the pressure at my knees. Mm -hmm. But the real problem was in free fall. Because in free fall, when your legs are out of balance, then you start spinning around and, and just, it looks terrifying, right? So if, if you've seen the end of, of Captain Marvel, that, that, you know, the movie where she comes back in from space and she's like flailing through the sky. Okay. Some people will have seen it. Well, that right, was right. me. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that was me. Wow. And, and normally you basically, you basically like lose control in such a way that your body is actually like moving with that wind at that speed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, because if you, when you are skydiving, when you're in free fall, you turn your body into an airfoil. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that becomes the surface. So, so it takes really minute adjustments to make really powerful movements in the sky mm-hmm. once you know how to do it. But normally it takes people 25 jumps to get their A license, their first license in skydiving. It took me 47 because I had all these legs issues. So I went back to I went back and I didn't tell them at first that I had MS because I thought they were probably going to say, you know, this is not for you. Go try bowling. And that wasn't going to do it for me because that was not the childhood dream. Mm-hmm. So so I didn't tell them, but I knew that, you know, I had 13 jumps before I came back. So I knew what, what I was in for. And I, I, I wanted enough to demonstrate that even if I was having a difficult time controlling myself, I was always altitude aware. I always got stable and pulled on time. And those are like the minimum things that you have to do to be a safe skydiver. So I demonstrated that I was safe. And then after one of these jumps, we're doing the debrief right afterward. And my instructor comes over, sits across from me, and she's had thousands of jumps. Extraordinarily experienced. She looked at me a little wild-eyed and said, that was the most terrifying skydive I've ever been on. Oh, what's wrong with your legs? <laughs> and I said, well, I can't feel them below my knees. And she said, what, did you hurt yourself? I said, no, and I explained it. So everybody banded around me. You know, skydivers called one another sky family, and, and they really did. Everybody helped me, and they supported me, and they helped me figure out with extra training on the ground and going to the wind tunnels where somebody could stand there and hold my leg in place. And I knew that that even though I couldn't feel what was going on lower, I could learn to decipher the signals and the tendons behind my knees. Hmm. So I knew from the tension there what the rest of my leg was doing. Wow. And and so by being creative and practicing and being persistent, having a lot of support, I managed to do it. So in 2019, I got my A license, my B license, and logged up about 140 jumps. In 2020, I set myself a bigger goal. And I said, I'm going to become a legit skydiver. Finish the licenses, get a coach rating, break 500 jumps. Because 500 jumps is kind of when the training wheels come off. You get all the licenses at 500 jumps. You are eligible for professional ratings at 500 jumps. So that meant if I was going to do that in 2020, I would need to jump better than one a day for the entire year. So in 2020... I logged 370 jumps, which for a middle-aged guy who can't feel his legs is, is probably a pretty good clip. And, but that meant that each time, you know, on average every day, I'm tripping my acute stress response, which they always say, you know, when you have MS, avoid stress, and saving myself every time. And that was the confidence I needed. Wow. That is incredible, Kevin. I, um... You might have touched base on this and because you were talking about fear. And one of the things I wanted to ask is um, what was the hardest thing to let go of 
uh, to push yourself forward to want to skydive. You mentioned that it was the fear that you just you had to overcome the fear of your with the, with the with the challenge with your body, and it was your childhood dream. Was that most part of the hardest thing to let go of was the fear? I don't look at it as letting go of the fear. I look at it as as reframing the fear, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of there's a lot of popular misunderstanding about what fear actually is, and so much so that a good chunk of the first few chapters of my book are about this, uh, about really understanding the science behind this. And people think that, oh, you know, your, your heart races, you sweat, you get clammy, you, you know, you feel that, that ex- and, and that's not fear. That's your acute stress response. That's arousal. That's your body and your basal brain ramping you up for the only kind of challenge it knows how to face. And that challenge is an acute challenge. So an emergency right here, right now, that's right in front of you, like a saber-toothed tiger rustling around in the underbrush. Mm. But the problem is, most of the challenges we face nowadays are not those kinds of challenges. But that's the only tool we've got. So first, you can't look at it as a fear response. It is a challenge response. It's when your your body, when your brain, your, and I mean your primal brain, okay? So this happens before your smarty pants forebrain ever gets engaged, right? Mm-hmm. And And if it sees something that it anticipates might be a challenge that the outcome is uncertain, then this response is engaged. But the problem is we live in a world with that doesn't have acute problems with solutions. We've got chronic challenges that need adaptations that keep going, right? Mm. So, so we often live and living with a chronic condition can do this. I like to think of life with a chronic condition as lasting and repeated trauma because you are getting this triggered time and time again and you can't get away from it. See, most of our, our strategies, so we all know of the fear response. We hear it called the fight or flight response, right? Mm-hmm. But there's actually a lot more going on than that. There's like a bunch of Fs. So it's like... Freeze, front, flight, fight, fawn, flock, fright, faint. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them. Oh wow! And they are, yeah. And and uh, so I like to call it the effort response because a bunch of Fs there. But but the point is, all of those are about getting distance or apparent distance between you and that threat or that challenge. Hmm. But the problem is. If you live with a chronic condition, the thing that I fear most is locked in my body with me. Mm. I can't get away from it. Mm. Period. And so for me, I had to figure out a way to understand my body and not necessarily overcome everything because, I mean, you know, some of it's, it's, 
hard and fast brain damage. Some of this, I can't just like, you know, think happy, fluffy thoughts and, and suddenly I'm going to, you know, overcome it. Uh, but I can do better than I think I can in my fears and I can become creative and figure out ways to work around and work through the real limitations I've got. And so for me, that was, I'm going to literally learn to trust myself in what many people would think of as one of the most extreme circumstances. I love your perspective on, on how you, you know, not letting go of the fear because it's attached inside, but, but actually reframing the fear and using that to your advantage to pursue something that you've always wanted to do as a kid. And, you know, that many jumps later, um, you're able to. And just getting started. Yeah. I I think it's, I think it's, that's incredible, Kevin. And um, I also think it's super cool that you were able to figure out behind your knees, like the senses of when they were holding on to you and by the legs, because you can't feel anything like from the knees down, but you were able to kind of mentally gauge with your body and connect those those senses behind the knees to know okay this is how i should mm-hmm. move and maneuver in the in the wind and the skies are coming down like that is that's really cool yeah but you know that's i mean that's how we learn to begin with right yeah you know we just done it before at, and and that's i think that's a, a really important thing that we need to understand as humans we are always learning always even when you don't think you're learning Say you're just hanging out, you're not paying attention, you are just vegging on the couch, watching TV, and and suddenly three hours later, you wonder, well, where did those three hours go, and what happened to that bag of chips that was in front of me? Now, wait, wait, you just learned something. You taught your body what you're going to expect of it is to just sit around and eat snacks. Mm-hmm. And your body, your body, your brain, your emotions, your behaviors, your relationships, because they're living too, all follow this rule. You will either li- learn to live up to challenges. And that's not crazy, you know, extreme challenges. You've got to take it in baby steps, right? Or mm-hmm. it's going to atrophy. You're either going to grow or you're going to atrophy. Wow. Life doesn't have stasis. Death is stasis. Life either grows or it withers away. Wow. Incredible perspective. I, um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to share that story. That's, that's very powerful, but also like, I just think it's so fascinating that, you know, as human beings, we could be faced with the most, toughest challenge or trauma you know anything from chronic illness to losing somebody in our family um something that just hits you physically you know mentally emotionally spiritually and um but if we find that one thing if we find that one thing internally whether it's in our heart that passion that we have inside um you know to fulfill our purpose i think um you know, it's amazing how it creates wonders. It creates a positive path. It creates an opportunity, a door open. It creates like a sense of 
purpose and in, in being. And it's really cool that you were able to create your purpose um, coming from being faced with MS, losing your family. Um, you know, you, you, you basically, you had to overcome it. You, you had enough and you wanted to move forward and, and, you know, create that purpose for you. And, and I think that's, uh, that's amazing. Well, that's very kind of you, you know, look at it this way. And, and I really think this is the important thing. If you, you know, you've seen the cover of my book Yes. and there's that picture of me on the book right there. And that was taken. I'm at 5,000 feet. Wow. When that picture was taken. And, you know, we exit usually around 14,000. I was at 5,000 because, and it took us eight jumps over six weeks to get that picture because I wanted it. I had it in my mind exactly how I wanted it. And mm-hmm. so, so at 5,000 feet headed to the earth at 120 miles an hour, that means at that instant that picture is taken. If I do nothing, I will die in 27 seconds. Now, just think about that for a second. 27 seconds. We know that's inviolable because gravity is going to win. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and so what am I doing? I've got my hands up like this in that picture. I'm doing what's called the wave off. And for oh. skydivers, we, we bring our hands up here and then sweep them out wide. And that is what we're doing. We are warning everyone in our airspace that we are about to take action to save ourselves. That's really and cool. That's, and that's what I want everyone to think when they pick up this book or take one of the seminars or you know any of the stuff that Your Life Lived World does. Mm-hmm. I want them to understand that in the face of certain death with a wonky body, 27 seconds left, less than a TV commercial, I am actively choosing life. And how often in our in our day-to-day existence do we ever get the opportunity to actively choose life? And that's, that's what I want everybody to make for themselves. Mm. That is very powerful. I um yeah, I think it's super cool that you have put that into that perspective because we wake up every single day with the whole, you know, another day, day ahead of us. What are we going to do today? Okay, you go to your job. Maybe you have a side hustle. You spend time with your family, you eat dinner. You know, maybe you go outside, spend some time, you know, do maybe have a hobby or two. Kind of, you know, you know, kind of like a, a regular day for most people. And, uh, but we don't really truly think, you know, and reflect that there is an opportunity that we can choose life. And, you know, depending where you, we put our situation in our, in our, in our day-to-day activities in, but like that, like that skydiving experience that you've been having and you're still having, I just think that's, uh, that's incredible, Kevin. And um, I wanted to ask what, what inspired you to want to write the book and get that story out there? What was that push inside where you're like, I need to share this story to help other people in the world online in person in a community who are faced with any chronic illness, any pain or suffering. 
what was that inspiration what, what really motivated you and when did that happen what was like that like that light bulb you're like you know what i need to start writing this story you know despite everything that has happened to me i am a remarkably privileged person i've had a lot of advantages in in this life and I am very cognizant of that, and I'm very grateful for that. And one of those, perhaps the biggest one, is that from the time I was little, I also wanted to be a scientist. You know, I wanted to be a scientist, and I wanted to jump out of planes. And, and I was able to spend an egregious amount of time getting stupidly educated and and getting really deep in a field that I care about and I've I've been able to spend my life I think building some useful things out of that and teaching a lot of people uh, useful things out of it but I hadn't really felt that I had done the meaningful thing yet with all of that you know when you get a doctorate there's a graduation ceremony when you get a phd and it's called a hooding and the hooding ceremony your dissertation advisor comes up on stage with you and they they put this that big decorative sash over your fancy robes and and that's like you know that that is the hooding right mm. it's it's very medieval okay <laughs> and not truly is it truly wow. is and Weird. and so my doctoral advisor and i were very close he i i respected him immensely and he was a very eminent scholar and and i was his last doctoral student and he'd been, you know, he was in his 70s by the time I defended. And so he had he had been a professor for almost 50 years by that time. And and uh, when he hooded me, he 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 was a giant man and he, and he takes me in a big he puts the sash over me, takes me in a big bear hug leans in and whispered into my ear and of course my wife who was pregnant with our son was out there and my parents and everything and he whispers in my ear do something meaningful with this privilege you've earned and that always stuck with me and and so With your life lived well, I mean, I'm not an MD. I can't contribute to a medical cure. But I do have decades of, of research experience and teaching experience in, in this area. And I do know that two-thirds of all health outcomes actually are dependent on cognitive, behavioral, social, and environmental factors. Those are things I know about. And so I felt I needed to do the research and build the tools 
that I needed desperately those years ago and that my wife, then wife needed desperately those years ago and so many other people I knew needed and still need, but I didn't get. Nobody gave them to me. So if I can do something that makes something good out of all of that bad, then I think I've found my meaningful thing. That makes me happy. Out of all the experiences you've been able to harness over these years and decades, Kevin, um, what are some words of wisdom that you would be able to share with someone battling MS or any other chronic illness that is in a dark place mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, who are faced with these challenges every day and aren't and and, and hasn't even um you know able to direct their life in a way to follow their dreams and follow things that they love? What is something that you would be able to tell them today if they were listening on the show? I'm going to say it all begins with kindness. And I don't and I don't say love and I don't say niceness and I don't say care. I mean kindness. I mean kindness in that profound meaningful sense. I mean kindness in the sense of grace. Mm-hmm. When when we extend a a kindness to someone even though they don't deserve it air quotes right we can get to the place after years of living with a chronic illness either diagnosed or as caregivers of becoming so angry and frustrated and disappointed and sad and and all of these negative awful emotions and and we can come to see ourselves as failures and and we can come to see ourselves as worthless and those are all voices that really exist in our heads and i talk about it early on in the book and and it's those are our primal voices that are that are trying to help us but they don't know any better and they're doing it wrong and what i want you to stop and think is think about how you treat yourself if somebody else treated you the way you treat yourself would you be in a relationship with that person Probably not. Most of us probably would not. So now you are stuck in a body with someone who's abusive to you and you can't get away. And and that triggers all of these awful things that we're talking about. And living with a chronic condition can make you feel so hopeless. And it, and it triggers this avalanche of these, this emotional and metacognitive storm that follows on. So stop and pause and begin by being kind to yourself and realizing that you don't have any expectations 
you have to live up to. You just have to find the place to give yourself a little peace. And then realize you're going to fail at doing that. And don't kick yourself when you fail for doing that. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledge it and say, okay, I'm going to do it again. And we have to understand, and there's this whole concept that I, I get into really deeply. I call it the edge. And there's this cycle between visiting the edge and going back home, right? And, and so we need to challenge ourselves, but we also have to be much better about allowing ourselves to rest and relax and recover and rejuvenate and sleep and, and restore ourselves because that's where the growth happens, okay? Mm -hmm. That's where the growth happens. And then you go back out and you challenge yourself again. So with a chronic illness, we can be so far from where we remember our edges being, and we can get so frustrated when our conditions don't allow us to do something that we think is just so basic and so simple. And we get angry because we think if I pulled myself back to where I really need to go, I would be humiliated if anybody else ever saw that. But that's what I did in order to get to that extreme edge of being a regular licensed skydiver. I took myself all the way back to humiliatingly small basics and allowed myself to fail time after time after time until I found where my edge really was at that point and started regularly allowing myself to grow in small steps. And we have to be brave enough to see ourselves where we really are. Not where we want to think we are, not, not where we dream we are, but where we actually are. Because you can't chart a path to where you want to be until you acknowledge where that path really has to start. And that's where you are now. Well said. I love it. Thank you, Kevin, for sharing. That's some powerful messages. Definitely words of wisdom. And straight from the heart, I can feel the good energy and the positivity that flows through you. And, um, you know, I love your story. I think it's super uh, powerful and you have a lot of a resilience to be able to do what you're doing today um, from skydiving to writing your book. And a um, few questions left there that I have actually is, um, Kevin, what are you doing today to support people that do face chronic illness? Aside from the book, what are you, if there's anything else you're doing for the online community, uh, in your community, uh, for the world, um, through your website, of course, I'll, I'll throw it on here, yourlifelivedwell.co, but what are some things right now that, uh, you're doing today and, and, and what is your plans for the near future to, to where you want to help people, uh, grow through these, through these illnesses? Yeah. The, I mean, there's several things, of course, at yourlifelivedwell.co, they can find out more about the book. They can download a hundred pages free. Uh, see if it's you know something for them. Uh, 
they can get my podcast and I have the Your Life Live Dual podcast, which is an informational podcast. It's a, it's an educational mm, podcast. Nice. So it's, it's, it's just me just digging deeply into this kind of the science and application of something that's going to help people uh, with their conditions. That's cool. Uh, so they, they've got that. There's the blog. There's uh, a calendar for the seminars and the webinars that I do. And I've got a set of 16 different seminars that I, that I do that are on various topics that many of us face. Uh, so, you know, dealing with fear, health, what do you do when you're just diagnosed with condition? Yada, yada. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Hmm. Um, and then also I spend a lot of time, I speak and I train not just people who are living with chronic conditions and people who are their loved ones and caregivers, but medical health and wellness professionals who are typically trained according to an acute care model. Mm. And even though in the United States right now, we spent like in 2019, we spent $3.8 trillion in medical you know, in our, our medical system, mm -hmm. 87% of that was for chronic care. Wow. Half of all Americans now live with a chronic health condition. Half. Wow. 18% of us have five or more. Hmm. If you don't have one, you care about someone who does. And those numbers are the same for, or very close for other Western westernized nations, so like you know, most of Europe is headed pretty close in that direction. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, you know, these numbers are pretty close, and the rest of the world is not so far behind either. Hmm. So we have a sick care system that is designed to identify a medical problem, apply a medical solution. And then send you back to a quote unquote normal life. But that model fails for someone like me. That model fails for over half of us now. And medical health and wellness professionals need training in that. And that's not what they get in, uh, you know, in, in, in their educational process. So I do a lot of speaking and training for, for those populations as well. and and. I do that also because it helps them deal with burnout and distress, which is a major, major problem for everybody in the medical health, wellness, support, you know, caregiving professions. Hmm. Super cool, man. I, uh, yeah, I love what you're doing. And I think that um, listeners tuning in, um, you have an opportunity to connect with Kevin if you have Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you can find Kevin here at DRKJPain. We have the Instagram tag. We got the Facebook tag. We also have our LinkedIn. So again, at DRKJPain. And of course, you can, yeah. sorry, you can connect with Kevin on his website, yourlifelivedwell.co to get his book and to find out more of how Kevin can provide support for you if you are someone that's faced with chronic illness or someone that you know. 
is there um anything else that you would like to to add kevin uh in closing your episode tonight i just want to say thank you and and i i i want to encourage anybody who's listening tonight if your life has been touched by chronic illness maybe you've been diagnosed maybe there's someone you love has been diagnosed there's hope your life will look you know i'm not going to blow smoke up your butt and tell you that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows Uh, but what i can say is that there is so much more to a good life than what you may have expected and and if you allow yourself to be open and kind you can allow life to surprise you with some beautiful possibilities that can still come your way amazing words kevin thank you kevin for coming on the show tonight for hashtag stories of healing episode 20 i appreciate you taking the time tonight and streaming all the way where are you streaming from tonight i'm in kansas city kansas which is city. in missouri not kansas Cool, cool. Kansas City. We're streaming all the way from Canada to Kansas City for the listeners tuning in. Kevin, I am grateful to have you on the show. Thank you, listeners, for jumping on the live stream and also hearing the episode. Tune in to Hashtag Stories of Healing. You can you can listen and tune in all streaming platforms and also check out Kevin's podcast. Now, Kevin, what is your, the name of your podcast? Your Life Lived Well. Perfect. See, see what I've done there? <laughs> yeah, I did. I like that. I, I yeah. tried to make it easy for everybody. Yeah, it's all streamlined. I love it. And that's the way. It's your brand, but also it's your story. It's your story of healing that you have able to overcome and now use to help people who are faced with some with an experience that you've that you've been facing your whole entire life. And I you know what I think it's incredible um that what you're doing today and and I see huge potential and I also see um, amazing things coming your way and the people in your circle that you're going to be able to help. And hopefully people listening in, go get the book. And you said the first hundred pages you can download. Um, where can you download yep. the first hundred pages? Your life lived well done. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we got a commercial ad there going. <laughs> oh my. I love it. Well, thank you everyone for listening in. Hashtag Stories of Healing, episode 20. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate your time. Very grateful and honored to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Be well, everyone.